0: Sports Talk Daily with
1: Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
2: What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of WST. Andrew Patterson with you. Jeremy in for the vacationing El Remo, Michael Remus. Um, But hey, Joey Slats is going to join us to kick off the program. We've got a big show because the Bombers are back at practice. Getting ready for the Labor Day Classic. And Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports is at practice today. Bomber's actually doing their availability coming up in the next 10 to 15 minutes. So, Bombing, well, we were going to start the show off with him, is actually going to join us a little bit later on after Worldwide Weeb. Ken Weeb joins us uh, today to. Uh, Uh, I I, he's on location today. We'll find out where he is when he joins us, but uh, get a little bit more of his thoughts on the latest with the Winnipeg jets, the Winnipeg blue bombers, labor day classic, and uh, maybe even a little bit of Jays talk with Ken. Although I think slats and I are going to get into another disappointing night for the Jays at home last night coming up in a few minutes. Uh, We'll also head to Jakarta, Indonesia, and we'll do that a little earlier because it is an exact 12-hour time difference for our pal Alex Adams. He's going to set up Canada's situation heading in to the second group stage of the FIBA World Cup after just a dominating run through a 3-0 record with the best point differential in the tournament through three games. So, uh, going to be a lot of fun today. Welcome to everybody in chat. Shout out to... Everyone joining us on YouTube today. Nice to see you all giving Jeremy some nice WST love. He's doing a great job getting us on and off the air right now. And, uh, of course, if you're listening to the podcast, check out the YouTube channel sometime. And uh, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. For everyone that's with us now, all the hardcores, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. Always helps us spread the channel and spread today's episode. Just before we bring in the Slatman, let me uh, give a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Coolbet Canada, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports and Boston Pizza, friends at Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace and Vita Health, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech and modern man barbershop lots to get to right off the bat let's get joey slattery in here and start things off slats what's going on how are you today
1: i'm pretty good i'm a little stressed out i got a my first draft tomorrow night not prepared man not prepared so after the show i am doing mad research to make sure i have all my sleeper picks and all my guys to avoid uh, and then that kind of kicks off my I have a late draft season this year. It starts tomorrow and then it ends I think Tuesday or Wednesday next week. four uh, yeah. and four leagues. I don't recommend four leagues.
2: Uh, you like, know what? Top. every year, I say, "Oh man, I'm in too many leagues, and I'm gonna cut it down, and I never do that and then I inevitably say yes to another one with some people that I want to be in a league with and you're staying in the old ones. Sometimes it gets a bit much, but I will say, and I just mentioned this to Dusty on the lock shop in the last hour. By the way, new lock shop out, NFL futures, quarterback props, and receiving props today. Tomorrow will be our big CFL show as we get ready for Labor Day weekend. But I was saying to him that, uh, you know, there's, This week in particular, the the 10 days, shall we say, leading into the Thursday night NFL kickoff game, one of my favorite periods of the entire year. Um, it's always nice outside as much as you're getting to the end of summer. As I said, I used to dread this time going back to school. That's not the case. Now I'm fired up for NFL. I'm fired up for hockey season. Certainly gives us a lot more to talk to on about on a daily basis here on Winnipeg sports talk. So, uh, Bring it on. And, uh, yeah, last night, and we're going to get to the Jays in a minute, um, but I I was in an auction last night, which took my uh, my attention basically throughout the entire Blue Jays game. Did catch up on it afterwards, but uh, a tough, tough loss against the Washington Nationals of all teams. And Jays now three and a half games back. But we will talk bombers later on um, with Darren Bombing, who will give us a bit of a report. But this is the countdown to the Labor Day Classic. And, uh, you know, I I wanted to ask you this, Joey. As a guy that has done sports in Winnipeg that has also worked in Regina. Um, You know, for a long time, this was a – I mean, it still is an incredible rivalry, and there's so much that goes into it. But what do you get the sense of things happening in Saskatchewan and the focus of Ryder fans and the feelings of Ryder fans watching what the winnipeg blue bombers have built over the course of the last five years not to mention how much they have owned saskatchewan at every point in their new stadium
1: and with kolaris on top of that right i mean here's a guy that wasn't doing anything in terms of you know we're not living up to expectations in saskatchewan he's kind of the when I say GOAT, I mean in the negative way, right? Like uh, being the, the scapegoat for the uh, for their poor offense back when – because I was there. When I was in Regina, he was still quarterbacking in Saskatchewan. And, uh, yeah, then he goes off to Winnipeg, the rival, and turns that franchise around. Like not only turns it around, turn it around that whole rivalry because he's, what, 6-0 and now against the Riders? He's never lost to the Riders since he's joined Winnipeg. So, I mean, it's got to be – a pain for those guys knowing that, you know, it's, and we mentioned this last, I think it was yesterday we were talking about it, you know, standings records go out the window on a day like they're on a day like labor day, but you kind of know that it's not odds are, it's not going to go your way. And if you do win, it's going to be a huge win for the riders, right. Who are what? Five and five right now. Uh, but I was reading up on, um, uh, the riders this morning and, uh, Dickinson made a appearance on the radio station and he didn't sound like he was very confident, right? Like talking about the juggernauts, bombers coming to town and just kind of, it's going to be tough, you know, all that stuff. Which, when Mike O'Shea says it, it's kind of like, yeah, we're respecting the opponent, but, you know, we win tough games. That's what we do. And oftentimes we make, like, fun. of <laughs> wouldn't say make fun, but, you know, we wipe the field with good teams. But with the riders, that tone is kind of like, yeah. Yeah, we're on our third quarterback. Uh, yeah, he played good against BC, but, you know, coming into a start now with some tape on him, can he do this against a defense like Winnipeg? I feel like there's a little bit of doubt, even they know they wouldn't admit it going into it. But that said, Hustler, if they win on Labor Day, right, they build some momentum coming into Banjo Bowl, but that can turn around their season and they need something. You know, that BC win was huge, right? Then they go into a bye week. They're well rested coming into this one. So they're well prepared for for uh, the Bombers as well. And there probably is a little bit of blood in the water the way Kolaris has been playing the last two games, three pick sixes in the last two games, uh, uncharacteristic. So there is some hope going in for these guys in preparation. I mean, they're professional football players. No one's going into this game thinking, wow, we're going to lose, right? They're going in there thinking we're going to beat the Bombers. But Rider Nation is hoping, right, that they're <laughs> beating the Bombers. But realistically knowing that it is a tall task, but achieve that tall test. And my goodness,
2: you got yourself something to run on as you go into the second half of the season. I would love to pump some true serum into the riders and see if they really expect that they're going to win. I mean, you have to, you (laughs) have to go in with that sort of goal. But I mean, I think about the game between these two teams earlier this season, and I'd argue that might be the riders best game of the year. Trevor Harris was playing. He threw for 400 yards. They did a lot of good things and still lost by 18 at home. So, um, you know, and, and 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 it is funny right now because um, you know when we think about these Labor Day games, um, I know myself and and many people uh, here in the chat and listening on the podcast have done the trip a number of times. And and it back at us at one point you could really throw the records out. I mean, in 2011, we took a big crew down there for uh, a couple of H buses, which was an unbelievable time. Um, and it was even better because uh, we in B- blue were spending the entire weekend strutting around Regina with our jerseys on reminding everybody that we were seven and one and the riders were one and seven. And what happened? Just looking for a fight, or what? <laughs> well, what happened was not only did the Riders win the Labor Day game, but they came into Winnipeg and won the Banjo Bowl, and that was the yeah. year when the Bombers went to the Grey Cup. But they sort of moonwalked in. I mean, they had that great start. They got in on account of, um, you know, their one win. I believe that was the uh, the Chris Garrett game, the, uh, the 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 in the Eastern final where it was so damn cold outside and they went and then played BC and ended up losing to BC in the Grey Cup. A BC team that started off 0 and 5 that year. Uh, and then mm-hmm. of course and I think who was it that referenced this yesterday on the program it escapes me, but the 20 oh it was uh, must have been Hammer. The 2013 game, or maybe it was Mike, regardless, the 2013 game which came on the heels of the Paul Lapalise firing and Tim Burke being named the head coach of the Bombers resulted in the most embarrassing fan ordeal I've ever been involved in, and that was a fifty-two nothing beatdown to the Riders in Tim Burke's debut. At one point, our group was just chanting "All we want's a rouge," and the Rider fans, for their part, they weren't even getting on us; they literally felt sorry for us. So, the what is the players, worst? oh it, it was it was the it the most humiliating thing walking out of that stadium afterwards and they were just like hey man you want a beer i mean they weren't even <laughs> gloating like it was it was that bad that won't be the case oh. this weekend i don't think on either side no. um but the way the rivalry is gone um in the favor of the bombers yeah. um, you know it does set uh, uh like the atmosphere around Saskatchewan going into the season was one of maybe the last dance for a lot of the people in positions of power in Saskatchewan. Now, they're listen, I'll be the first one to say, I think they're not as good as their 5 and 5 record. I think they squeaked out those two really close wins against the Elks that, you know, if you play them again might not go their way. Predator yeah. Predators do. They got that win against BC. But I think we're going to see just how legit the Riders are this week because the one thing I do know the Bombers have had a few moments at times this year where they haven't played up to their level. Um, you know, obviously we know about the second half of that Ottawa game the yeah. start of the Edmonton game. I don't think you have to worry about that at all. Come Labor Day, because there's something no, about this rivalry, Joey, that this team wants to beat the hell out of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at every opportunity they get. And it starts right at the top with Wade Miller yep. and goes right down to the people in the ticket office. So, uh, it, it sets up. But that's what I allude to, right? You need a big test for Saskatchewan.
1: Totally. And that's what I was alluding to, you know, like with the riders, their record, they're lucky to be where they are at five and five, the Elks start winning. They win a couple of games and now it's kind of like, Oh, they're creeping into the playoff picture. Calgary's been struggling. So they're looking at this thinking, okay. You know, we just got to go one and one in these next two games with the Bombers because you're not catching the Bombers. You know, and the Bombers can clinch on Labor Day Classic again for what is this the second, maybe third straight year. Well, it wouldn't be third straight year because the 2021 season was shortened. But uh, but they're clinching their playoff berth very early for another year if they can win on Sunday. But Saskatchewan doesn't want that either, right? Like they, they have to go on every bit of motivation they can. Uh, and there's no motivator like Labor Day Classic. They don't want to be embarrassed on home field again. Yeah, they don't have Trevor Harris, but this, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dolgala? Del- I can never say it right. Uh, but he's, you know, there's a guy, there's little tape on him. They know what to expect, but does he have another performance where he can, you know, throw the ball? He's a big boy, too, right? Like, that's the other thing. Like, he was like almost like 250 pounds back there. So, you know, that's going to be another one for uh, the uh, off or the defensive line, rather, if they're going to go after him. Like, he's not going to be an easy takedown. So, look, kid looks strong, and if he can throw a few touchdowns and their defense could pull off a, you know, I wouldn't say a miracle, but if they can have their best game of the year uh, and hold Kolaris to, you know, earth, uh, which in the last few games looks more possible, you never know, but that's what I mean. Like, this could turn around the season for the Riders. Suddenly, that five and five, you're lucky to be there. If you can get that one more big win to put you over 500, even if it's just for a week, you know, that gives you a little bit of breathing room with the guys that are now breathing down your neck because the rest of the division is pretty competitive right now you got a big win against the lions uh which is going to might pay off to be huge towards the end of the season then you throw in another big win you just have to play out the rest of it right when the games you're supposed to and it doesn't matter after that but they're not clinching a playoff spot this weekend like the bombers are but this is kind of their like pseudo clinching if you will in my opinion if they can take this it looks a lot better to go into the playoffs in a fav- more favorable position
2: I still can't believe the Bombers can clinch a playoff spot this week. Right. It's just it's so funny. Uh, but, hey, 10-2 and two looks pretty good when you see the rest of the West. And I'll say this. Yeah. I don't expect Saskatchewan to win, but this is why they Meaning. play the games, folks. Um, if they do, um, they're going to get to, within one game, of the BC Lions. who Yes. The- I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we thought it was going to be, you know, Flip a coin between the Bombers and the Lions the way they've been. And then you look at the bottom. It's Edmonton versus Calgary. Um, like, I think Edmonton has a chance to win this football game. I mean, you know, if they do, I, you've got two teams at three wins and Saskatchewan getting to six. I mean, you're or, they would be quite comfortable for a playoff spot, I, I think, at that time going in. But, again, the focus is going to be on these games. And we'll kick around. We'll get bombing's thoughts on uh, these matchups as well for Calgary and Edmonton coming up a little later on uh, when we get into the uh, Labor Day matchups and the uh, cool bet lines coming up on. That might be an
1: ugly game, but I bet it's going to be entertaining.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, by the way, uh, shout out to everybody in chat. I did see our friend Bailey, the intern. Bailey, are we going to be missing you in the chat when school gets going next week? Uh, Hopefully not, but we do understand if that is the case. Bailey was wondering about uh, Jets Fan Fest. I, i'm just gonna tease this I, i've mentioned that we have been working on a wst section and pack for some games coming up for the upcoming season we're putting the finishing touches on it right now i'm super excited about this we will have details for you all next week on that and hopefully many of you will be uh, kind of take what we've done at some of the other events and Get a fun crew together to start something uh, something really fun for uh, for four games at the uh, the Jets this season. But as far as Fan Fest goes, um, we're going to be there, and I'm really looking forward to that. Where I think we're going to have a little setup there. We'll probably be doing a few interviews with some of the players, and definitely connecting with uh, many many fans. So uh, Bailey and anybody else coming out to Jets Fan Fest in a few weeks, make sure to come by and say hi to your boys from WST. Really looking forward to that. Just looking forward to training camp getting going. As we talk with Jamie Thomas, you know we'll find out closer to the event who all the uh, young players will be going to the Young Stars Tournament, which probably is going to be pretty much the Manitoba Moose roster for this upcoming season. Uh, But all of that's coming up. So stay tuned about that. Oh, and by the way, just while we're doing a little updates and housekeeping uh, business, I mentioned off the top of the show yesterday of how well that tickets had gone for Sports Trivia Night. Uh, I got an email from our uh, pals over at Little Brown Jug, and uh, last night, I think there was only 10 tickets left. So if you haven't already and you want to join us, if you've been, if you're one of the returning teams and want to make sure you're going to take another run at the belts, It's Wednesday, September 13th. It's starting at 7 o'clock. Tickets are in the description of this show today. Or go to winnipegsportstalk.com if you're listening to the uh, the podcast. There's a link right at the top. Grab your tickets because we are probably going to be sold out in the next day or so. As I said, we were down to just 10 tickets. And uh, hope to see you all there. We had so much fun with the first two. And this is going to be a great way to sort of get into the fall, into the hockey season with another WST event. Um, speaking of hockey, I, you know, we'll get to this right now because I don't think we're going to spend, you know, obviously we'll talk to, well, I certainly will ask Ken about it. But um, Bill Peters, who we all remember was the head coach of the Calgary Flames, uh, who, um, you know, was resigned basically in disgrace and ended up going to the KHL, is has been hired to coach in the Western Hockey League for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Now, you will recall Bill Peters was out in Calgary um, because of some of the things that he had done as head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs, in particular in relation to Akeem Eliou. Now, Alou uh, alleged uh, and you know that Peters had called him the N-word um, and at the time when he, you know, resisted and all that ended up sending him to the East coast league. Now Peters yeah. went to the KHL. He is now being hired to be head coach of a junior hockey team in the WHL. And the reason why this, I mean, this was going to be a story anyways, but uh, a Lou put out a tweet earlier today, and it was a response to someone that was another NHL head coach had reached out to Akeem to try to broker some sort of an apology. And this is just me, but um, if I had felt I needed to apologize, I'd probably do that a hell of a long time ago and not when I'm just trying to get back into the game. I mean, the optics of this are absolutely brutal. Um, I won't read the entire entire post, but it's up there for you if you want to do it. He said it's been 13 years since the incident happened and four years since it's become public. Quote, I am curious as to why he wants to apologize now. Most folks don't know the backstory of all that transpired. After the incident happened, instead of apologizing, he did everything in his power to blackball me in the game for over a decade. What's interesting here, and someone wanted me to touch on this, and I'll I'll read this out. Everyone can make their own decisions on this. He went as far as to write a letter to Chicago management at the time, stating it was either me or him further alienating me from all of management. That Chicago team produced five NHL GMs, Talon, Chevy, Bergevin, Bowman, and Dudley. And he does put in brackets, I have a lot of love for Rick. That's a large chunk of the league that believed I was a bad kid slash person without ever knowing what truly happened because I kept it to myself because I knew I had to suck it up to have any sort of career. Now, a couple people have sort of put out, you know, into my mentions that, you know, this is sort of alleging that Kevin Dayoff was part of the blackballing of Akeem Alou. I'll be honest, I don't take it that way. I mean, I think that if you just read that first, you know, reference to the five GMs, you could take it. But I mean, I think the key thing at least to me, is reading it all in context, and he said that's a large chunk of the of the league that believed I was a bad kid, without quote ever knowing what truly happened because I kept it to myself. The bottom line is, it is a sordid story, another really bad story from that organization, that of course also had the Kyle Beach. Um, well, but Joey, I mean, that's you know, it. how is this guy? And I'm not, I'm not a big cancel guy forever. You can never do it before something like this handled the way that it has been to be going and coaching 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. I got to be honest, the optics of this are absolutely terrible. If I'm the president of the WHL, I'm probably making a call before this happens. And I'm not saying Bill Peters should never be able to work again. But, you know, in a public-facing league like the National Hockey League, I think it's probably a non-starter. And in junior Development league, though. I mean that is uh, I I I I'll be honest. I, I'm stunned that Lethbridge feels that this is the guy that they want building their team, and in a lot of ways shaping these young men at such formative times in their life.
1: You don't see a lot of like Brian Kilrays anymore in major junior hockey, right? Like these career major junior coaches. It's a league now that you see, that not just the WHL, this is the CHL across the board, right? Like I've covered every league across Canada from Quebec to WHL. And the coaches are getting younger. The GMs are getting younger because just like the players, they're trying to develop themselves to get to the NHL. I have a hard time believing that Lethbridge is going to sit here and tell me that that was the absolute best option that we could find. And we searched far and wide. Do you know how like how prestigious that? title is to be a coach in the whl there's a lot of guys at the junior a ranks or former nhlers that have a lot to offer these kids from experience i mean Akimalu, look at the experience I'm not saying that he should be the coach but like here's a guy that could probably provide them more from a development standpoint in terms of what to look out for you know off the ice and some of the uh you know injustices that happen but it keeps going back to that hockey culture thing like you know i would imagine i'm not i don't know for fact but i would imagine this didn't just surprise the whl i don't think this was made as an announcement the whl was like oh yeah oh like gosh we did i had no idea we don't know what to do i i highly doubt that happened
2: there's zero percent chance and if it did it would be the most incompetent thing of all time the the, the league shouldn't be even i mean yeah let's say that that did not happen so that's the thing story in hockey and he was exiled to the khl
1: and all these kids know that all of these kids know that. And I want to know, and even if you did consult the kid, like, and I, I say kids, they're young men, but they are kids, right? Like these aren't NHL players. These are kids that are not going to say much because they're trying to follow their own NHL dream. So even if you did talk to them, they would probably, yeah, hire them. Sure. You know, like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I got to play for whatever coach. I can't be too demanding, whatever it is. But this is the whole problem they talk about with hockey culture, right? There was nothing public that was done or any work that we know that he did. He went to the KHL. To find the first coaching opportunity he could as opposed to trying to make right even beyond Akeem Alou, right? Like be an ally in some sense in terms of changing that culture and things like that. But then this guy, you know, goes to the KHL for a bit, comes back and finds a job, you know, in Lethbridge, Alberta. Yeah, it's not the NHL, but guess what? It's still a pretty good job to be a coach in the WHL. And this is the – I think what guys like Akeem Alou have been trying to push forward is like there needs to be cultural changes – and the NHL has had its problems too, right? It seems they take one step forward and, you know, a step back or two steps back in certain cases. It's just, I don't know what it is or why it keeps happening, but there's this, uh, and in terms of Bill Peters, you can make that argument, that old boys club, here's a guy, oh, he's got the reputation, or not the reputation in terms of, you know, how he treated Akeem Alou, but is on ice, you know, being a coach at all these levels and the experience. And it's, to me, it's just kind of BS because the WHL is not an experienced league per se. It's where you build your experience to move on. And I would just like to hear their side of why he was your best option and nobody else. Because I do think you owe that explanation to everybody. And I don't think people are going to buy it, whatever it is.
2: Yeah. Well, two, two things on that. Um, like, I'm not going to, I know it's sometimes easy to put the blanket term hockey culture. And we get that on social media all the time. I, I won't even put this to hockey culture because I think this is an individual incident of which Bill Peters could have handled incredibly differently. I mean, the optics, and it doesn't matter what he did. I mean, regardless of the fact of the accusations of racism and the N-word, but anything that he had done where he lost his job and there was obviously an apology necessary, if that didn't happen until right now when you have to do it to get the job. I think it speaks to the sincerity of the person. Now, I will say this, and I haven't seen this, and I'm just seeing all the Calgary Bureau guys are in Lethbridge for this press conference today. And apparently Bill Peters started out his press conference in tears, apologizing to Akima Alou. I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it. Maybe, maybe I'll watch it and it'll completely change. But just hearing that I'm like, I think like most of us going, where was this four years ago when that happened? um, It only, it only
1: matters when you're on the line, right? Like once your, your reputation, your job is on the line, then suddenly, you know, the tears come out and everything else. And that's what I'm saying. Like in terms of the hockey culture, this is an individual incident, but at the optics, again, we're talking optics of the situation, right? We know what the conversation has been around that. And then you go and do something like this without any, any proof or any kind of, you know example of what was done for him to earn his way back because you're right it's i'm not a cancel culture guy either there's second chances but like you don't just get them right because you went to the cage yeah, you know, a bit and then you came they,
2: back they they have to be earned and i mean it doesn't seem like any of the things that would even put you in the category of potentially getting that second chance have been done and i mean as much as bill peters is going to answer questions the people that need to answer the questions are the people that hired him and obviously the western yeah. hockey league and i mean I think there'll be questions from parents. It'll be interesting to see how that organization is viewed by, especially. I mean, as hockey as hockey gets more diverse. I mean, if you're a player of color and you your your bantam draft rights or whatever were picked by the Hurricanes, how are you I'm thinking right. about going to play for Bill Peters. And listen, well, that's the thing guys, because it wasn't. Sorry, go ahead. He, he's got a ton of experience. I mean, NHL level. He has done it all. So, I mean, as far as just the resume. I understand why a junior hockey team would jump at the chance to have a guy that has done that before, but there's a hell of a lot more to it. And it seems like a lot of that is just being ignored right now. And a lot of things are being done way overdue. That should have happened a long time ago. And that's why this hire, I think, leaves a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of people that are paying attention to it. And by the way, totally. Polly just mentioned in chat like there's no other guys out there. Hello, James Patrick. I mean, the guy right, put who's a... together two of the best seasons we've seen in the W.A. Show in a long time. He's not coaching this year. He's now in Vic with uh, with Jake. The you know some of the guys in player development. I mean, it just yeah. it it doesn't make a lot of sense. And and as I say, the the optics of it are just brutal.
1: And that's it, right? And that, like the thing is, is the stuff that happened. It wasn't. Uh, you know, the allegations that were made had nothing to do with his on-ice coaching. It was how he was treating that person individually with racial slurs and such. And it was an investigation that led to his dismissal with the Calgary Flames. Like there was something there, right? And the fact that it's so close to Calgary is another thing that's just kind of, you know, ironic that, you know, your next job that, you know, you're going to take is so close to where it all came out and your NHL career eventually faded, right? So, I mean, people can change sure um you know but a a tearful apology at a podium on you know i don't want to say grandstanding but in terms of you know you got an audience and you're tearfully saying sorry to a guy who's not in attendance who uh we've not heard that you've reached out to him directly to talk about this to say the apologies you haven't really dismissed the allegations of what was said right so i don't know the optics don't look good um but that's the other thing is how long is this? a? How long does this stay a story? Right? Like, that's the other thing is this? Okay, we're talking about this now. He'll coach, he'll win a few games, he'll have a record by February. It's just kind of Bill Peters is the coach of the Hurricanes. And honestly, unless you're in a junior hockey market, we're probably going to forget about this pretty, you know, not shortly, but it's just, I don't, I, I think Lethbridge looked at it that way. It's like, yep, yeah, we got to take some heat for a while, but um, it'll be over in a couple of months, if not sooner.
2: Yeah, still as curious a choice uh, at the junior hockey level as I can remember in uh, in a long, long time, and uh, obviously that's going to be a big story that, that I think for the next couple days, especially with it being so quiet around hockey, that I think is going to take up uh, a lot of focus on uh, you know sports centers and Sports Central tonight, and certainly yeah. I saw Celine Valgie is there, Julian McKenzie is there, um, a lot of people and a lot of great talented people in hockey media that are of color. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, their response to what we heard from Bill Peters as well um, as, um, you know, was just the reporting on the entire situation coming up. Um, All right. We got Weber coming up in a second and I am going to get to the Blue Jays with Ken, but just quickly before we go slats, another, uh, another tough one last night and this team, this team with all this talent, three and a half out right now. And 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 right now, I think we do have to have the conversation. What happens? Like if they don't, if they miss the playoffs, this to be honestly will go down as maybe one of the most disappointing seasons that the Blue Jays have ever had because of the expectations, the talent, and the fact that they've actually been getting the pitching once again, last night, oh. plenty of opportunities to put in a run against a garbage team in the Nats and they just fall up short, can't hit with runners in scoring position, and now three and a half back of that wild card, chasing all three teams that are playing very, very well.
1: Yeah, well, you know, before we came on air, we chatted about that, and I said, "Wow, Barrios, 9 and 10, right? And we both agreed, like, it's not, the record looks worse on him than his actual performance, because they're not getting the run support, and how many years, you know, of recent years, since the last playoff run we had from the Blue Jays, even in, with those teams, was always... Ah, oh, we need middle relief. We need relievers. This year, you got that. And you have the right now uh, in Gossman, the third best pitcher in, you know, franchise history in terms of um, strikeouts in a season with Roger Clemens and Roy Halliday. Like, it doesn't get any better like than that from a pitching perspective. But these guys, you know, and I, these guys have the spotlight on them, say, a lot sooner than uh, uh, Jose Batista, right? Like the Bo Bichettes. And the Vladdy Guerreros came up through the system while the Jays were good. And they were kind of the promise that, yeah, this is going to keep going, right? Like the 2016, 17, like 15, 16, those playoff runs and the kind of fizzling out. It was kind of like, okay, this new hope. We got to put up with a couple of years of some struggling baseball. And then it's going to turn around in a big way. Like we have one of the best young hitters coming up in Vladdy Guerrero Jr. And it's not panned out, at least not consistently. Like it's, you have Vladdy up, you know, he needs those big moments. So you look at the bottom of the ninth last night, uh, Davis um, Schneider, he had, he was, I think he was two for five last night, a couple of RBIs, bases loaded bottom of the ninth and he strikes out. But here is a kid in a rookie situation. We shouldn't be putting our dependency on him as well as he's played at this point in his career to be like, yes, you know, take us to the promised land, you lead the way. But when Vladdy hits a ground ball, yeah, it scored the run, but it's like, that's the time where we're like, thank you for getting the run and bringing it to within one point or one one run score to you know in the bottom of the ninth but would have been really good if you got that power that you're known for to hit at least you know for an extra base hit and maybe cash in some runs to take the lead and some insurance and I don't know what the secret sauce is here because you look on paper everything should be working great you have everybody in a great position in terms of defensively in the order you got some guys that can come in off the bench that can perform But no one is performing consistently and the year that you finally have the pitching from, you know, starting to closing and everything in the middle. It's the bread and butter of this team for the last how many years that's been disappointing. That's why I say it's a fascinating team, because there's no way that this team should be three and a half games back against this division, especially when you see teams like the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays leading the way, right? Like, this is the a year where the Yankees hey. aren't playing well and the Red Sox aren't well. Like, this is the year where you're like, man, like, we don't even have to worry about the big guns. All we got to do is take care of Tampa and the Orioles, and Tampa has their own stuff going on right now off the field. That's a distraction and a half. Like,
2: you just sneak into the playoffs at this point. I yeah, don't care how lost you do one it. Of Get their, that wild card they lost spot one of their... and just... They've lost one of their best players The, uh, in, the uh, in Wander Franco in a very notorious fashion uh Orioles have been awesome right now and, and listen it's that the teams that they can't worry about the twins because the twins are going to win the central which is god-awful yep I mean Houston's playing amazing Seattle's done so well they're now in first place in the division uh and you got the Texas Rangers there too it is uh it is puzzling puzzling um Slats great chat to get things going man have a great one tonight and uh we'll look forward to uh Talking to you tomorrow and Friday as we get closer to this big Labor Day weekend of Bombers and Riders. Take it easy, buddy.
1: Looking forward to it. See you then.
2: Good stuff. At Joey Slattery TV, folks, give him a follow. Big thanks to Joey for jumping on with us today. All right. Ken Weeb coming up in a few minutes. Before that, we're going to head over to Jakarta. Middle of the night there with our buddy Alex Adams for the latest on Canada. Now that they're through the first group stage, what is next? We'll find out before they're... Game on Friday morning. But uh, before we do that, big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Fellas, Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, including their newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Very simple to book your look, make an appointment, get on over to modernmanbarber.com at the location most convenient to you. And you can also give them a follow on Twitter, at Modern Man Barbershop. Well, as summer winds down, it's been a great summer. been a hot summer. Many of you are thinking about making the plunge and designing your own custom pool. Not to mention, Aquatech also does home renovations. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. But with limited install dates left, get on over to Aqua Tech. Visit them in-store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. More info is at aqua-tech.ca. Are you ready for Labor Day weekend, folks? Many of you might be making that trip out to Regina. Others, one more great long weekend to experience a Manitoba summer. But you got to have your batteries, whether you're doing a sea you're on an ATV, whether you've got a camper, a lawn tractor, it doesn't matter. Manitoba Battery has the battery you need at the best price in town. Yeah, Manitoba Battery, a great local company. You'll be shopping local, and you'll be getting a price that beats the pants off the big box stores, and you won't have to waste your time at the Costco's or Canadian Tires because Manitoba Battery is going to deliver it to you for free Anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. Get on over to manitobabattery.com. Full listings of everything that you could possibly need when it comes to batteries. Or give Donnie and his great staff a call. They'll help you out with it. Get the order and get it out to you. Or if you're in the neighborhood, pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. That's Manitoba Battery. I'll tell you what. Banjo Bowl is going to be rocking. There's going to be a lot of CeCe and Gingers in the crowd, both my fans wearing blue and green. And I imagine that'll be the same for the trip out to Regina this weekend. Stock up for the long weekend and get that great taste of summer, the pre Canadian Club and Ginger Ale cocktail, which is available in cans at your local beer store. And of course, with the strike behind us, you can also get ready for the Liquor Marts with Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts just in time for the long weekend. All right. Ken Wiebe coming up in about 20 minutes. But right now, let's head to Jakarta, Indonesia for the latest on Canada at the FIBA World Cup with our pal Alex Adams, who's there with Raptors Republic. All right. Let's head back to indonesia and welcome in our boots on the ground correspondent taking time for the wst all week and of course doing great reporting for raptors republic it's our guy alex adams at the fiba world cup how uh how are you doing first of all thanks for doing this i'm not sure if people realize that we are exactly 12 hours opposite so yeah. this is the middle of the night the grind the <laughs> commitment is greatly appreciated alex uh uh, things are going great for Canada. First off, how about you? Have you the experience of being out there, and uh, have, have you gotten out of the gym at all?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I've got out a little bit. Um, it's 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 definitely been a really uh, fun time, but it's been a lot of just hotel to 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 the courts because um they're, they're, it's about a twenty minute walk. So I said that's my exercise tend to go to practice, come back. So I, I walk for maybe an hour or so a day. Um, but it's been really fun. I went out with a rash Annie just before this, uh, as it's nighttime here. And uh, we uh, we uh, grabbed um, some, some, some ribs at a local restaurant, but it, it definitely felt as though I was in the middle of uh, <laughs> the middle of almost not nowhere, but in the middle of like the city where it's not a touristy place there's no I you, you feel I, I would say this if you go to Asia especially just kind of um, you feel like you're a foreigner that's for sure everyone looks at you everyone asks can you do you need do you need a ride do you need something so you have to be very mindful of uh, what you say yes to it and in my case I say basically no to everything but uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> did a rash uh, did a rash spend most of the dinner when not talking about Canada basketball talking about his Minnesota Vikings I uh no, yeah, we, actually, you know, Arash from his days yeah. back here. I actually took Arash's season tickets for the Vikings for the two years that Brett Favre was the quarterback, along with Zuka. Chris Zooka. No worked with me at the U of M. Yeah, Arash is a is a diehard. Uh,
0: I know guy. that. Yeah, So uh, You can uh, yeah. lean on him to that because he hasn't mentioned it whatsoever. So I'm gonna, I'll see him tomorrow. So I'll definitely mention it. Obviously, uh, uh, the NFL season's coming up, so. Um, when it when it starts up i'm sure i'll have a, a bunch of dialogue i know he really loves aaron rogers that's that's one thing you know, <laughs> deep down you know, he loves aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah. um I'm sure, okay. let's yeah let's get to uh let's first of all i mean before we look ahead let's look back to yesterday we talked about it on the show uh Another big win for Canada. I mean, really flexing its muscles and letting everyone know that this team is a problem. Uh, although, um, it really took late first half to sort of get it together after a not a great start. Uh, and then the second half, I mean, uh, there was no doubt who the better team was. Uh, what was it like being there for it, and what did you see?
0: Yeah, so for people that maybe didn't watch, or, or, or you can't tell on, on the TV screen, uh, the Latvians came out in, in – A lot of people really loud it felt the players after the game I know Shea and and Kelly Olenek talked about how it felt like a road game and it really was it was a Latvian crowd they traveled incredibly well and it really was the first 10 I think they were down 23-13 after the first quarter and they were just this huge gut punch and just hit with all this energy from the Latvians they're making all these ridiculous shots their defense was just so locked in and you're thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, this feels like every time Canada has nice things, something, you know, goes wrong in the terms of just the Latvians who are, uh, they are a very good shooting team, uh, just getting hot for one day. And, oh, oh, God, this is where it go- was going. And I was texting people. I'm saying, oh, um, but um, Kelly linick really stepped up, uh, got a bunch of kind of uh, got a bunch of nice shots in some threes, some putbacks. Got a couple of nice assists, and he really led the charge of just stabilizing the team in in that first half and first really 15 to 17 minutes. And then once Shea got this one in transition layup um, it, it, in it, in the middle of the second quarter, it really changed the game in terms of Canada didn't kind of get super hot, but they just got a bit more in transition, which is their strength against the Latvians. Just cut the lead down slowly but surely. And and at half, it was 43, 42 with RJ Bear making this really nice uh, layup with, you know, seconds ending in the second uh, quarter. And it really felt at that point at halftime okay, this is like the France game. I expect them to come out and and, and dominate. Um, It just felt that way because it, just the way the game had gone, it was like, how is Canada even up right now? They should be down 10, 15 points. And that's what you saw.
2: You know, like the Latvians going back. uh, Listen, you're exactly right. I mean, we were talking yesterday about the Latvians at the World Hockey Championships. I mean, they are famous. They party. They are loud. I mean, they really make the, the event fun. But for that team, the way they played early on, the lead that they had to be down at halftime must have been incredibly demoralizing, and that uh, Canada went from there. I, I, I will say this before we get to the second half: I thought Kelly Olynyk, like when te- when things were not going well for Canada, he was the guy. And um, you know, obviously, we know him from his NBA tenure. He might not have as much star power as some of the young Canadians, but man, was he big in that first half to keep them in it and really be a catalyst to turn that game around.
0: Yeah, no, you said it. Perfectly, And I think for for this team, he's the guy that just, he's always consistent. He's always performing. Obviously, Shea is the best player on the team, but he has lulls here and there, especially it seems so in the first half, he, he isn't as sharp as maybe he is in the second half, especially in the, that France and, and the game against Latvia. But Kelly and Lennox always there. What's, what was interesting, they played him at the five um, at, at the center position and that really opens up their offense and that, i think that was the catalyst for them to really start getting their offense going because they only scored 13 points in the first quarter by far their, their lowest tally in any quarter so far in the tournament so he's just been a, a rock for this team and he's just so perfectly suited for fiba he can shoot he can pass he has size um, he grew up as a point guard and he grew which you hear a lot with, with basketball players especially when they have a lot of skill at and are much taller players and he's just been a rock for this team. He, he played in 2010 against Lebanon, actually, and lost to Lebanon in 2010 at the World Championship. So he's really been through the ringer with this national team. And um, he's the captain of the team. And it, it's been really nice to see him finally be on such a good team and be so essential because he's been through the, the lulls and the doldrums of, of this <laughs> Canadian know- side for a long time. You just mentioned, I mean, the fact in 2010 we lost to Lebanon,
2: which, I mean, it's just incredible considering the fact that they were 40-point favorites and covered (laughs) in game number two. Um, But, you know, as I said, they really did roll in the second half and everyone got back up into it. And you saw the Canada, you know, we saw beat France to begin the tournament. So first place in Group A, um, massive, massive point differential. This was the best possible start that Canada could have expected. And now we move on to the second group. Break things down, how things work, because Latvia also advances. Both of these teams were moving on after Latvia beat France. But Canada has a huge leg up when it comes to getting to the quarterfinals. And now world number one, Spain and Brazil in this next group. Uh, Break it down. What's coming up for Canada and the challenge uh, at hand.
0: Yeah, so Brazil's a pretty good America's team, but I mean, if Canada plays anything like they have against France, really, all the teams, even Lebanon, they should be very heavy favorites. I don't know what the numbers would be, but I'd say fifteen to twenty point, um, kind of just on the money line. Um, they're a good team, Brazil. They have Bruno Caboclo, who I actually have a I interviewed him, and I'm gonna be posting a little audio Raptors with legend. Him, so I know he was really nice uh, and and a great time and uh, so they're gonna be they're gonna present a challenge but honestly if Canada plays anything like the way they've been playing they should win and that will and they play on Friday just so people don't know uh 8:30 um uh, Central time but. If they are to win that game, they have essentially, I keep saying this, they've unofficially officially made the quarterfinals because of their point differential. And for people that don't understand it, because again, as I've said this before on the show, FIBA does not make a lot of sense. Um, Basically, Latvia and Canada have made it into this new group called Group L alongside Spain and Brazil. Um, The top two teams, um, so basically it's a crossover group. So Canada plays Brazil and in um, spain and, and latvia does as well and the top two teams from this group make it to the quarterfinals um, but because canada beat latvia and if they were to beat brazil they'd have the tiebreaker and if there were let's say a three-way tie at four and one and canada were to spain because of their point differential that's the the, the tiebreaker if there's a three-way tie um then canada has i believe they're plus 111 in three games so um would have to lose by a lot and uh, no one's really even close i think spain finished with closer to maybe 60 or 70. so that gives you a bit of an indication of how big of a margin they have and how much they've run up Um, the scores especially that france game which was really unexpected so um, if canada wins that games they're they're into the Hmm. quarterfinals and um, there is some incentive for them to beat Spain. Um, Spain's a really, really good team, not as talented as the years before. And I, I'll plug myself selfishly, Hus, uh, I, I, but I have an interview with Sergio Scariolo um, coming up as well, who was a Raptors assistant, won the championships with Nick Nurse. And, and he's been just this like FIBA um, European coach icon. And he's the coach of, of Spain. And he was telling me just that yeah, we, we win as a team. We know each other. That's our biggest strength is our chemistry, not as much the talent. And he essentially said, we we can't play with Canada if, uh, if it was just on talent. So, um, they're, they're, they're still a really good team. And if let's say Canada wins by 15, 20 points and wins easily, man, oh man, this team looks like a juggernaut. And, uh, I don't know other outside the US I don't know who can really take them down if they, if they're playing that way and you never know though it's one game the refs are notoriously not that great in FIBA um, and it's a shorter game it's only 40 minutes so um, there's less time to kind of pull away or there's more kind of there's more luck that can change the outcome of of a game so uh, overall canada's in a really really good spot you can there's every time I, I go to these scrums or pressers i say what can you improve upon and like they're, they, the players and the coach say well we've kind of done everything right so um <laughs> we like our game we like our, our game quote. uh yeah exactly <laughs> there you go uh, love me a paul Maurice quote um, um so l-
2: uh, alex Uh, Just to reset, Alex Adams is with us in Jakarta, Indonesia, covering the FIBA World Cup. Canada taking on Brazil uh, for all intents and purposes for a spot in the quarterfinals, Friday morning, 8.30 Um, a.m. Listen, I don't think it's unfair of us to start looking at the big picture as well, considering Canada's start. Assuming Canada can make it through to... And by the way, you were nailed on. You said about a 15 to 20 point favorite. I'm looking at Coolbet; They're 18 and a half point favorites. So you nailed okay, that. One, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, happy. <laughs> very, I'm
1: happy. Very
2: good call on that. <laughs> um, if they win that they get to the quarters, um, then you go down to one and done situation. I, I know we talked beforehand and it was like it would be nice to qualify for the Olympics, but it was more about this team coming together. Um, what do they need to do to qualify for the Olympics? Like the automatic bid goes to, they have to get to the semis. They have to get to the finals. How does that work?
0: No. So it's, it's a bit more convoluted than that because again, FIBA, um, but it's, it's also simple enough. So the, the way it works is that it's the top two America's teams make it get an automatic bid. Um, and so by that meaning any team from North and South America. So right now, uh, the teams remaining that are from the Americas are Dominican Republic, who I would say is the, the biggest test to Canada to making uh, the Olympics. Obviously, USA, who I would put pretty set in stone that they're going to make the Olympics and, and go deep in this tournament. And then Puerto Rico, who I, I doubt will be most of a challenge. So I, it's, in my mind, it's really Canada and Dominican. And the unfortunate thing for Canadian fans is, The opposite has happened for Dominican. They've had the easiest draw, and they've been just scratching and clawing, and winning games by five. (laughs) I I believe their plus minus was plus nineteen, and they won uh, all three games. So their average winning their their average when they were winning the games was plus six. Essentially, Um, they are in going to probably make the quarters. Um, Now, for people that are really into this, they play Serbia in the next round. If Serbia wins that game, it's almost certain that then the Dominican Republic would play the USA in the next round. I don't really think see them winning that game. Um, If they were to win, then there's a decent chance they'd have a pretty favorable quarterfinal matchup. Now for Canada, um, they play the winner. uh, They essentially will play Slovenia with Luka Doncic, who's really scary. Um, I don't want to play him, but their team isn't as good as past years. They have Australia that they could play, but a lot of NBA players, actually more than Canada, but not necessarily to the same echelon as uh, SGA or even an RJ Barrett. And then Germany, who's been really good, but their best player, arguably Franz Wagner of the Orlando Magic, is out until at least the quarterfinals. So he, if he was to return, the earliest it would be would be uh, the quarterfinals. That's, uh, but that's actually what I'm hearing, but that's... Um, essentially that he'll be out. so um, they'll always they'll have a tough, tough test in the quarters, but the way they're playing they should be favored. So um, that's a long answer to say it's not clear, but uh, if they are to m- win that quarterfinal matchup, it'd be really unlikely that that would be a clincher. Um, but you never know. Um, but if you if you're a fan of Canada basketball, you want Dominican and USA to play each other because, even if the Dominican won, then the USA would be out um, or would go into the quarters. So there's a chance that there's this like five-six game, and it's Canada-Dominican who both lose their quarters, and the winner gets the Olympics, which would just be uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so that's that's. I hope I explained that as well as I could to the listeners and, and to the.
2: Yeah, listen, fans. it's not easy. But the bottom line is, and we we had a Paul Mauriceism; it's now a Michael Sheaism. Uh, we're just looking to go one and oh this week. And uh you go one and oh against yep. Brazil, you put yourself in a great spot, you're in the quarterfinals, and then you uh, you know, see if you can make it to the semis and beyond. And I gotta tell you, based on what we've seen so far from Team Canada, uh, I think anything is possible with this team. So cannot wait for the game against Brazil on uh, on Friday. Um, Alex, while you're have been there, you've been writing at Raptors Republic <clears throat> and uh also got some great interviews for um, yeah. the pods as well. Just, I, I know there's some people that are really interested and probably want as much info as they can. Where can people get the rest of your content that uh, you've been churning out from Jakarta?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug myself. So I had an interview with Michael Grange that came out this morning. Um, so everyone can check that out on at Raptors Republic on YouTube. Um, or the Rapcast uh, on uh, any odd anywhere you find audio uh, podcasts, um, but it's through Raptors Republic. So if you you search Raptors Republic, you should be able to find it. Um, I'll have on a Danny Obviously, we have become pretty good friends after this uh, during this tournament. Um, I'll have Dan Schulman later this week. Josh Lewinberg, um, and then I'll have this interview later today with Bruno and Sergio Scariolo that I just found was really insightful if you're a hoops head especially Sergio or if you're a big Raptors fan for Bruno um it was really interesting stuff and uh there's a there's a cool part with Sergio how he finds out how he didn't get the Raptors job um that involves a little bit about some Champions League soccer and him being an Inter Milan fan so I'll leave it at there but uh it that was really fun and and Michael Grange is just awesome and uh I'm you know he's been a huge I've been a huge fan of um, his for a long time, so it, it was really cool to have him. And he watching him in, in Toronto. He knew everyone. All the players would come up to him. Roman Barrett would come up to him. So if you want someone that knows Canada basketball, he's definitely the guy to to listen to.
2: No doubt about it. Um, Alex Adams is with us. You can follow Alex uh, at Alex Adams BTP. Uh, and uh, if you're looking for, uh, maybe you've listened to the pod afterwards. If you just go to my Twitter x account excuse me uh i have uh re exed adam or alex's latest weekend ball pod with michael grange uh get some sleep thank you again for doing this thank you. enjoy the next couple days and uh whether it's after the next game or when you're back here we'll definitely have another chat soon to uh, continue following Canada, which what could be a historic run for a country on the hard court and uh, hopefully just a sign of things to come. Alex Adams, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: All right, folks. Great stuff with Alex Adams. Appreciate uh, Alex. Doing this in the middle of the night over in Jakarta. and Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game on uh, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Canada and Brazil. Uh, oh, we got a real treat for worldwide Weeb coming up in a second. Wait till you see where Ken's joining us from. Um, just, hey, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. With great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Of course, they've got six Vita Health Fresh Market stores are online at myvita.ca. Folks, when you order online, you can now choose same-day local delivery. If you place your order by 11 a.m., you'll get their order that day. And right now, you can get free local delivery when you place an order online. When checking out at myvita.ca, just use discount code LOCALSHIP, all one word. Details are on the website course big long weekend coming up get your barbecue gear ready and stock up on some of those delicious vita market grass-fed bison and beef steaks and wash those down with sober carpenter beer or santa cruz lemonade vita health fresh market empowering people to lead healthy lives six winnipeg locations and now use local ship promo code for free delivery online at myvita.ca. Uh, Our friends at Wallace and Wallace have had a busy summer and that's not changing heading into the fall because they're Winnipeg's Fencing and Overhead Door Specialist serving Winnipeg since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got any kind you could need. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace and Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a phone call at 452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the closet looking? We're just about here getting into September. If you need to up your menswear game, you need to head on down and see Andrew, Alex and the gang at F apparel custom suits beginning at 400 bucks along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And guys, if you're in a wedding party or having a wedding next year, talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount when the fellas get suited up at F for the big day. 190 Smith Street downtown is where you'll find them. Find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's EPH apparel.com. And just before we bring in Kenny Weeb, one more long weekend. You know what makes a summer long weekend in Manitoba even better? A trip to Nick and Nikki DQ, four locations, including the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Still time to grab those delicious summer blizzard flavors and the most underrated burger in the fast food game, the DQ Stack Burger. Head on down this weekend if you do need a uh, DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for an upcoming event. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it however you want for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. All right, worldwide Weeb indeed. Ken Weeb joining us now <laughs> from the, uh, I believe that's the home of the Stanley Cup champions, Las Vegas. What is up, Kenny? And uh, what are you up to?
3: Uh, good afternoon, Andrew. Great to be with you as always. Yes, uh, home of the Golden Knights uh, in a visit here uh, celebrating in uh, an anniversary uh, with uh, Stacy's sister uh, Kim and her hubby Mike 10th anniversary so uh, a little uh, you know just checking checking out things of the Flamingo here I tried to give it a little bit of a scenic backdrop uh, I know it hasn't been a super busy week outside of Sam Gagne finding himself a home uh, good news for Sam Hus I know we uh, we saw some of the uh, videos on the old Instagram uh, of him skating and recovering from that double hip surgery up in the Muskokas. And uh, as we know from uh, dealing with Sam during the 1,000 uh, game celebration, we know the Oilers are uh, a team that's very dear to his heart. And uh, I think it's a great fit for uh, Mr. Mr. Gagné as, uh, as he goes to camp on a PTO and uh, looks to battle uh, for one of the uh, contenders in the Western Conference along with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights here.
2: Gagne is, uh, uh, Sam's a, a, an interesting player, especially when it comes to Edmonton in that, you know, he, uh, when he played over 400 games, um, you know, was very productive, has bounced around the league and obviously is just on the last portion of his career. Um, And you hope that he's able to continue to play, but he's a guy that I think can, that even if he's not on the 23-man or the last forward, a guy, especially there in Edmonton, with the experience that he has, can probably help the team. Very similar things that I think Winnipeg saw early in the season last year when we heard Mr. Brightside a few times at the rink, and you know (laughs) he actually did have an impact, even though obviously he got hurt and didn't end up finishing. But anyway, it was a real fun time here in Winnipeg. He had that beautiful night for his 1,000th game. I think everyone's a fan of Sam Gagné and hopes that he's able to continue his NHL career.
3: Yeah, no doubt, Huston. Uh, the Oilers are an interesting study, as you know, uh, with their cap uh, situation. They're probably going to have to be carrying a you know twenty-one man roster for a chunk of it. So Sam's kind of a, one of those guys who, uh, similar to Jason Spezza late in his career, would kind of be one of those guys where you you don't necessarily gonna you're not going to claim him if you're another team because you know this is kind of a great fit for him. I think it's great for Sam for a bunch of reasons, Huss, but especially because here's a guy who uh, is going back to a team who is now on the up and up and, uh, you know, kind of dealt with a lot of losing seasons when he was there at times also earlier in his career and had that great success uh, leading scorer as an 18-year-old or one of the leading scorers anyway. So uh, it's a great fit for him. He's a great leader. We know he had an impact on a bunch of the young players with the Winnipeg Jets and And for a team kind of looking to level up, I think Sam is a perfect fit in that 12th or 13th forward kind of a role. Uh, He could even be the 14th forward, a guy that could be in and out of the lineup. I don't think he'll be on that shuttle to Bakersfield all that often, but he'd be a great guy to have in reserve. And uh, this is not an accidental signing. I mean, Jeff Jackson who joined the organization this year is Sam Gagne's former agent. So uh, you can be sure that he has the straight goods on where he stands and as long as he comes back in full health, I think he would have a good chance at at being in the mix with that Oilers team that that is looking for a little bit more uh, veteran leadership, if you will. And as you mentioned, I mean, he had a great start with the Jets and uh, not surprising that he needed that double surgery to end the year because his, his play kind of dipped off uh, as the season went on. And, and a lot of that, I think, was probably health related. Uh, we know from talking to Sam uh, with the Masterton nomination at the end of the year that he was really excited to play again and Uh, We know that the Oilers were one of the teams that were interested in signing Sam Gagne last year before he ended up in Winnipeg. So sort of circle of life, uh, full circle kind of a moment for Gagne. And I expect him to to be right in the mix with the Oilers club uh, coming out of training camp.
2: Um, Have you heard anything about the Jets potentially having a a, a PTO? I mean, often that's something that sort of comes in and around this time. Um, I mean... (laughs) I doubt it would be on the blue line considering how busy it is back there. Um, but, or just the fact that, you know, you move one player out, you bring three players in, you've got some guys from the moose, tra- uh, you know, challenging like a J- Jansen Harkins. We'd love to get back into the conversation. Uh, it, it, is it crowded enough that the, the jets don't need to go that route?
3: Yeah. Huss, so I would just say that with the depth we've talked about both with the youth and with some of the veterans, guys like Dominic Toninato, uh, guys like Christian Reichel, and then some of the younger guys, as you mentioned, when you have the Brad Lamberts and Chaz Lucius's uh, kind of for trying to force their way into the mix, and even guy like Jeff Mallott. Uh I, I would think that there there's a potential that there could be a forward on a PTO, but I think it is a little bit crowded. We've been talking a lot about the depth, both up front and on the back end. So I don't expect there to be a a bunch of Ptos announced here in the next little while, but, uh, you know, we know that the Penguins brought in a couple of guys yesterday, so it's, it's always possible. But I think that their training camp, uh, now, also too, with what we've been talking about, uh, permutations and combinations, I don't think you're necessarily going to have somebody in that situation that that could make the team. Maybe there's somebody that could be a depth guy, a two-way guy, uh, but I don't think there's a guy who's going to be signing a PTO that would be challenging for a roster spot like a Brandon Sutter or a Sam Gagne with the
2: Oilers this week. You know, uh, somebody just mentioned in the chat, um, Nolan Patrick, uh, you know, he obviously has had a star-crossed career, a young career at this point, Ken, and, uh, you know, missed the majority of last year as well, was put on LTIR. Hearing anything about what is next for Nolan Patrick?
3: not really huss uh, I know that he's you know been playing some golf I think he's still a member at St Charles but uh, have not spoken to Nolan Patrick or his camp I know there were some rumblings that the Oilers might be one of the teams that were maybe kicking the tires around him but uh, just not sure about his health Huss uh, I have been given no indication that he's going to try to play again and what we know about Nolan Patrick and you know having covered him in Brandon when with the Wheat Kings when he was a 16 17 18 year old, uh, this is a guy who's an incredible talent. Uh, you know, a lot of people, it's a lot of revisionist history, Hus, for the people saying that Nolan Patrick shouldn't have been drafted in the top three. Uh, those people have conveniently forgotten how dominant a player he was as a junior. Yes, of course, there were some health issues for him dating back to his time with the Brandon Wheat Kings, but this was a dominant, dominant junior hockey player. Um, you know, it was more of a surprise that he didn't go number one when Nico, he sure went one uh, at the draft in Chicago. So, uh, if there he is was a chance consensus for
2: him to number play. one, exactly, exactly. almost consensus all year long, number one for more than two years leading in, and you know he did yeah. have some injuries in that in that last year, and unfortunately, it sort of foreshadowed what was to come. But I mean, I remember Ken when I mean, we had conversation with Craig Button at drafts before that, talking about Nolan Patrick, and he was like, "You just wait, this guy's going at the top of the draft," and unfortunately, sometimes just the health can really derail a player, which is exactly what happened with the Winnipeg native.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And and Nolan's a guy who's he's a good kid. He's a he's a guy who's incredibly skilled. Obviously, comes from great sporting bloodlines, but uh, you know you can't. You know concussions don't discriminate, Huss. I mean, and that's the scary part uh, for a guy like Nolan who sort of had his career derailed by injuries here, a variety pack of them. Uh, if he could play, I mean, he's young enough that you could take a year or two off and still come back if the will and the desire is still there. Uh, obviously, I think if he could come back, he would. Uh, you know, very you know, not these are not parallels with Jonathan Taves, but I mean, for people wondering, I mean, Jonathan Taves may end up taking a year off and come back, uh, you know, a lot healthier, and maybe he can he can help a team. I mean, we've talked about the Edmonton Oilers as as a team that makes sense for Jonathan Taves as well, but obviously, with him saying he's going to take the year off, I don't think that that's going to be a possibility this time around, but. Uh, these are two guys who, you know, obviously different impacts in their careers, as it turns out. But uh, a little bit of, like, let's not forget, Sidney Crosby is a great example. Some some time away from the game, uh, after the, the two concussions in a very short period, uh, and Sid's been pretty much, you know, in, almost injury-free time. So uh, you can never rule it out for either player, and especially with Taves, with the long COVID uh, scenario, it's something. It, it, we're still learning about concussions, but there's no playbook when it comes to, you know, the, Things that Taves have been, has been dealing with in terms of the long COVID and and uh, some of the other respiratory
2: issues that he dealt with. Uh, Ken, we with us live on location from the scenic flamingo. Are you um, are you like in more of a public area? Are you like on the balcony of your of your spot? Because by the way, I mean, like, listen, Ken, always bringing it for WST, like the professional mic in, in you know in in the carry on. I, I I appreciate hey, buddy, it
3: always important buddy this is uh, the the pool area is a little bit behind here so uh no no balconies in new york in uh, nevada here which is probably a smart thing for uh for yeah. many but uh yeah there, there's no doubt it's uh it's a little balmy here huss uh 41 to 43 degrees today so uh you know you know I you know i burn very easily so uh we've got the 50 on in full force and uh, definitely going to be uh, staying in the shade for the majority of the afternoon here, but uh, it's a fun time of year, us. I mean, uh, we started to see some of the pictures. Of Gabe Velarde in town. Uh, I think that the players will be trickling in. We, uh, it's a fun time of year. I mean, we know we like to enjoy the summers, and it's been a great situation with golf and everything else. But you know, we're down to you know basically looking at three weeks until training camp, and us. Uh, so we know there's still a ton of questions that need to be answered. And those questions will start to begin unraveling and unfolding here. Uh, when we start seeing some of those combination platters uh, from Rick bonus and his coaching staff, as we get closer to uh, the opening of training camp and, and before main camp, I know a lot of people excited to see the uh, young stars event. And um, one thing too, I know there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, Elias Solomonson and, and Hus, I mean, Elias told me this, uh, that he was coming to training camp back at the development camp. And uh, you know, he's had a great start to the year. Uh, This is a guy that I'm excited to watch. Uh, You know, for folks who don't know, based on the double IHF rules, this is a Jets or Sweden scenario uh, for Solomonson right now. He can't play with the Manitoba Moose because of his contract situation, but the fact that he's going to be here for camp, I think is a, is an important thing. Uh, We've talked so much about the depth on the right side and maybe it's a little bit, you know, thinner than what we think about the left side, but, uh, with, with Solomonson and a guy like Garrett Brown, who's going to the University of Denver Pioneers program, uh, there's you know the future could be pretty bright on the right side as well eventually. Uh, but yeah, definitely excited yeah. to see him. Uh, excited to see a bunch of the players. I mean, Colby Barlow would be his first camp. And I know a lot of those young players, and talking to guys like Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius, you know those guys are excited for another crack at training camp as well. And I think that only adds to the intrigue uh, when we start talking about the depth and where players may fit. Uh, in the you know in the pecking order if you will and you know Morgan Barron had a good a fun week at the Players Cup and again by all accounts looked like another great event down at Southwood but Barron I don't think Barron Huss is a guy who's going to be happy with saying oh hey I'm on the fourth line now well no this is a guy who played a lot of the year on the third line he doesn't want to get knocked down the depth chart so there's a lot of those guys and Rasmus Kapari Huss we've been talking about the opportunity for him but most of our conversations lead with him maybe being the fourth line center. I mean, these guys all want a bigger role or as big a role as possible. So I think it's going to be a fun camp. And these aren't just fringe players. These are guys that can make an impact depending on where they slot in. Well, no doubt about
2: it. And while you bring up Kapari, let's talk about a guy that we've both been very fond of that just hasn't, you know, been able to produce. And obviously he's been a little star crossed when it comes to injury. Um, But what do you make of, David Gustafson's situation coming into camp, Ken, considering another guy that, you know, could certainly play in that fourth line center role if they don't earn a spot higher up in the lineup.
3: Yeah, Hus, I, I think the uh, it's a fascinating time for the Gus bus. And uh, as the conductor of the Gus bus, I, I expect David to be ready. It's super interesting, Hus. I think David played his best hockey before he found himself full-time in the press box, basically, at the end of the year. And he had a great interview with Paul Edmonds where he just started to think about just what he could control on the ice. And when he stopped thinking about, you know, where he slotted in or what position he's going to be playing or am I in the lineup? Do I, do I, am I out if I make a mistake? I mean, he started playing some of his best hockey, but it was kind of one of those scenarios where it was a little bit too little, too late, if you will. So for me, this is a guy who knows knows what his game is. He's the kind of guy that makes guys around him better. His offensive numbers have not been popping. We know that, but he usually puts his line mates in a better position, whether that's with his defensive responsibilities or his penalty killing or his ability to, you know, distribute the puck effectively, even though he's not necessarily racking up a ton of assists. So David, I think would will have spent a lot of the summer looking to get a little bit faster uh, that's sort of something that he's always worked on since he's been drafted. And if he comes to camp in a in a good frame of mind, like he was at the end of last season, I expect him to be right in the middle of the mix for that fourth line center spot, whether it's, you know, whether he's the 12th or 13th forward that remains to be seen, but I, I would not count him out. This is my long winded way of saying, I think David is still the kind of guy that can contribute at this level. We know he's a good penalty killer. If he works on his face off game, he can be an effective fourth liner and then try to work his way up the lineup like so many of the other guys we've been talking about.
2: Yeah, and and just back to Elias for a minute. Um, You know, I had mentioned this on the show after uh, spending some time with Jimmy Roy at a Moose game last year. um, uh, Just how excited people internally were about the 2022 draft class. Um, you know, yeah. which included Elias and in, in particular, we talked about him and I know when, you know, the um, players were out here in the early part of the summer at the development camp, we got a good chance to, to see him. And I mean, I know Billy Hanley is a little further on in, in time. Declan Chisholm's played a little bit more, but I think if you had to, if you asked me right now, who the number one defense prospect is within the organization I think I'm giving it to Salamonson.
3: Agreed, Huston. And that's no knock on guys like Chisholm or Hanala. Uh, I, I just think that in terms of offensive upside and uh, puck mobility, I, we've talked about this before, Huston. We were standing together at the development camp. Salamonson just looks like an NHLer. Now, that's easy to say and harder to define, but just in terms of the way he would go back for retrievals, the way he uh, you know moves the puck uh, efficiently and effectively, Uh, head on a swivel now again do I can I guarantee he's going to be a top pairing guy No, of course not but what I would say is that he has the potential and the toolkit to grow into a top pairing guy and you know whether that means he's going to play at some point with Josh Morrissey now we'll see in the future but I could easily see those two guys being an effective pairing you know two three four years down the road what you know whatever that number is will be up to Solomons and and his own personal development. But this is a guy who's going to be playing and you know an important role with his Swedish hockey league team this year, potentially top pairing minutes for a guy who's basically going to be 19 years old. So to me, I think there's a humongous upside with him, and I look forward to seeing him to continue to develop. And I mean, that's the other part we talk about Hanel all the time. Now the fact that he popped in the you know the year that he came onto the scene and played those games that has sort of skewed his timeline but with Solomonson like we said it's going to be hard for him to make the jets but the fact that he's going to you know sort of give you a little glimpse of what is to come on in terms of his training camp uh, availability I think is important in the development process but this is a guy who's really excited about getting a taste of that NHL camp and then down the road this is a guy I be high impact player for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I'm not sure about the offensive numbers. We need to see more of him before we can make those declarations. But I've seen enough of his skating and puck uh, puck handling ability to think that this is a guy that's going to play some very important minutes for the Jets in the not-so-distant future.
2: Yeah, he's a guy certainly that seems to do everything right, and that certainly is the scouting report on him from playing with men in that Swedish Elite League uh, last year. Ken, you know, while we're talking about Salamonson and and, uh, you know, the Barlows, and obviously it won't be Rucker McGrory because he's at Michigan and can't come, um, and Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius, like, if we look at the timeline for these players, I think it logically says that they're probably getting an opportunity next year. But you brought this up beforehand. I mean, there are... I mean, I guess there's some pros for bringing guys in together, but, you know, also if you're going that young with the team and potentially having, you know, a handful of rookies, that is a unique challenge to the coaching staff and the team overall. How do you think that works out? Like what's the chances that one of those players plays significant time with the Winnipeg Jets this season? Do you think it's relatively small and, if anything, we see a large influx of uh, some of their top players in the following season.
3: That's super interesting. And I would also include Nikita Chibrikov in next as well. We know, obviously he got a little taste of being around the Moose last year, but this is a highly skilled player. uh, And he, and he likes to get his nose dirty based on the conversation I had with him uh, in July as well. So, I would also include him in that mix. And again, are they all going to pop at the same time? Absolutely not. It's unlikely that all four or five would pop at the same time. But there are guys that are going to have an impact at some point. Now, they all need to stay healthy. We know there have been injury issues with several of those players. First and foremost, those guys need to stay healthy and they give themselves a chance. But Hus, outside of an injury or a trade involving Mark Shifley and maybe another experienced forward, it's hard to envision a scenario where any of those guys get significant minutes. Now I would never close the book on that because guys come out of camp, make the team when they're not expected to, but based on the level of depth that we've seen and the players ahead of them on the depth chart, it's going to be difficult for those guys to step right in and make an impact. I mean, we think about Colby Barlow, look what Mark Shifley did as an 18 year old. Well, the roster was constructed a lot differently back in 2011, 2012, when Shifley got those seven games before he went back uh, to the junior ranks in the OHL. So that's not to say they may not get a look, but they're going to have to, you know, be head and shoulders above the rest in order to, you know, make that kind of impact that we're discussing right now.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, there is part of me and I guess it all depends on how the season goes. And, you know, by that time you've really made the decisions on those players, other than the guys that could be called up from the moose, like a Lambert, presumably that he's there and Chaz Lucius. But I do wonder if, you know, uh, you know, even a few of those guys getting a little bit of an opportunity this year might help them and the group if it's a larger group sure. of young guns coming into the team next year. Weber, before we go, I just wanted to get your take on uh, this Bill Peters news. How, how surprised are you that Bill Peters is back and coaching one of the junior teams in the Western Hockey League considering, um, let's just say, The baggage that he brings to um, to the situation, obviously, subsequently, what Akima Lu put out, and the fact that there was just a brokered, attempted apology um, just in the last few days, uh, knowing that you know this was uh, about to be released.
3: Yeah, I mean, I understand that uh, Bill got pretty emotional at the presser. I mean, I didn't see the footage of that, and I didn't hear exactly what was said. So, uh, you know, what I know is that uh, you know the team would not take lightly and nor would the individual. I think that Bill should have reached out a little bit earlier to Akeem Alou, of course, but uh, without knowing all the details, it's hard to really weigh in. Uh, I know we're in a hot take society, Hus, and, uh, You know, I would say that uh, obviously the organization will be under the microscope. Bill Peters will be under the microscope. We know akim, I read Akeem's tweets. Um, you know, we know there, it's a tough situation and it's a delicate situation. So uh, I would, I would imagine that all parties would be on high alert. Uh, this is a definitely last chance hotel kind of scenario for Bill Peters. Uh, I don't think that he would be going into this lightly either. Um, you know, ultimately, it's all about actions, right? Hus, I mean, words are important in this situation, but it's about actions. Uh, and I think that Bill would be very thankful for another opportunity. Um, you know, and how long that opportunity lasts, and how well this opportunity goes, will be up to him, essentially.
2: Yeah, I, I mean. I kind of said this earlier on, I mean, uh, you know, like, you know, can people get second chances? Yeah, but you sort of have to earn them. And in some ways, um, it's just reeks of, um, I I don't know, I'm just surprised that an organization, you know, in a junior hockey league, considering what had happened before, would go there without maybe being very clearly... making the amends and doing everything that you would have expected to be done before. Certainly there'd be a lot of scrutiny uh, on this before you go. Um, are you, will you be golfing at all during this excursion and golfing or no golfing, considering the sun situation? I think you should go full Joel Damon and start rocking a big bucket hat.
3: (laughs) I think that would be a nice addition. There's no doubt. Uh, Uh, there will not be any golf in this, uh, this leg of the trip, but, uh, fortunate enough to be re- rekindling the golf tour up at minnewasta on friday and uh, a couple of fun uh, fun 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 rounds around the corner uh before we get ready for training camp here and uh i know you're gonna have renny on before the week is over i think we're gonna uh try to restore the joy in his golf game uh, it has been diminishing uh as the as the uh, summer has gone on uh since our early season tie at oakwood but uh Yeah, no, it's been an awesome summer, Huss. Uh, Sort of creeping in now and closing in on 50 rounds. Uh, So it's been a very productive summer, and uh, we know it's going to get busy. Uh, The putting lesson will be around the corner, Huss. Uh, We have the full call. Uh, We're looking to set up the date with Marshall Patterson when he is in town uh, next week as well. So uh, I'll be looking forward to getting straightened out. And uh, if I can ever get that flat stick straightened out, then uh, watch out Tamarack 2024, Huss
2: good stuff good stuff well maybe you make it out for our sports trivia night uh, i know marshall's coming in and marsh got tickets for that that is going to be good and allow me to remind everyone we're less than 10 tickets left that thing is going to sell out probably in the next day so w com links on the page or in the description of the video before we're all full weaver great chatting enjoy vegas don't floor it too hard you got a big <laughs> golf game on friday we'll uh talk to you soon and uh, maybe catch up this weekend on the links. Let's uh let's let's yeah. be in touch.
3: That sounds good, Huss. I look forward to getting out again and uh Blue Jay's got to figure some things out here. Uh, did not like Dude. the uh, Alejandro Kirk lack of a pinch running situation. Uh did not like it at all. Uh, Mr. Schneider. Uh there's one Mr. Schneider who is doing well right now, Huss. Uh, his first name is Davis. Uh Mr. John Schneider, man. If if you're Donnie Baseball, Uh, you're wondering when you're getting called into the office here. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see if the Jays can get things sorted out here uh, over the course of this uh, next stretch. But uh, thanks for having me as always. Uh, We'll talk soon, my man.
2: Yeah. And we'll talk next week about, we'll see where they're at. And hopefully I didn't want to spend too much time on, will this be the most disappointing Blue Jays season ever if they don't make it, (laughs) but we might be talking about that next week. We were have a great time, man. Thanks for jumping on as always. And uh, travel safe and enjoy the time. And uh, Sin City. My
3: pleasure, my man. Have a great day and uh, shout out to the chat room. Take care, my man.
2: Look look at that. Look at this. Worldwide weave with just one of his all-time great backgrounds today on the program. Great to have Ken on the program. Well, we normally will lead off the show with Bomber News, but big practice today and then media availability. So our guy Darren Bombing's is jumping up with us in just a second. Live from IG Field. Uh, And, of course, when we do bomber reports on this program, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of WST and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. At Princess Auto, you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panette Road, Portage Avenue West. Or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Now, if you haven't crossed everything off your projects list for the summer, our friends at Consolidated Supply might be able to help you right now heading into Labor Day weekend. Because guys at Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems. Artificial turf, not to mention new and used golf carts, is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They've got other great options for your property including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair so much that Joe spicy and the gang can do for you at consolidated supply, pop by and see them. The showroom is open to the public 1395 Niagara road East. You can find out more on everything consolidated supply has going on at their website at CTE.ca. Hey, hockey season. Is just about officially here, and I know the Jets will be getting on the ice in the next few weeks. But uh, hockey in this province is just about to get going, and like uh, to get ready for the season, only one place to go Manitoba's number one hockey superstore with the biggest and best selection of equipment, goalies, sticks, million dollar inventory. It's all there at Royal Sports, your one stop shop to get ready for the upcoming season, and while you're there. You can get your bomber gear just in time for the Labor Day Classic, your Jets gear for the upcoming season, and, of course, all 32 teams represented in that NFL section that's grown as we get ready for kickoff. Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And you can give them a follow on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pembina. Just before we bring in Darren Bombing in a second, if you're looking for a great spot to watch this Blue Jays game tonight, And the game on the weekend, if you don't make the trip, how about heading over to Boston Pizza? Your local BP is always the best place to get together with friends for the big game and enjoy some ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. Staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we'll see how Bombing's ears are doing today. Because it was the annual practice with the pumped-in crowd noise, and Darren Baum from Bonfire Sports joins us now from IG Field. DB, what is up, my man? How are you?
4: Feeling good, hustler. And you're right; they were pumping in the crowd noise today. So uh, good thing you—you know—you got to bring the silicone earbuds and, and do the best you can. But uh, with that pain in the, in the ears and and in the, you know, the headaches and that sort of thing, it comes with the good feelings knowing that the Labor Day classic is on tap.
2: Hey, uh, you know, we'll get to the game in a minute, but as far as from practice today, my, uh, my WST eyes in the stands, one G Liverpool told me that yep. when Theadric Hansen was out there in practice and pads for the first time this season, Theadric Hansen, as we all know, could be a huge difference maker, especially on special teams. That's got to be some good news as this team rounds the corner into the second half of this season with the back to backs against the green.
4: Yeah, no doubt. The man they call T uh, or T1000 because he is like a Terminator. He's really been uh, something to behold with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in his three seasons uh, here in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Achilles, Tear injury 12 months ago happened in the labor day classic last year and this is the first time we have seen him on the field with pads participating in practice he's been running around he has been involved but not participating in practice so when i look at Kyrie wilson and it was almost 12 months to the week when he came back earlier this year when i look at teadrick hansen when i look at other players jeremiah masoli another one with an achilles injury and 12 months to the week Returning to either practice or game action. It makes me wonder if, you know, orthopedic surgeons now are looking at those injuries and saying you can rehab as quickly as you want, but don't do anything incredibly strenuous until you hit that 12 month mark. So for Teadric Hansen, he could play this week. I don't think he will. I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious than uh, than than try to push him, but he is a killer on special teams. And without the killer Mike Miller healthy and able to practice or play right now, uh, getting Hanson uh, involved on specials and then rotating on the defensive line, I think would all be welcome
2: additions. But probably not for the Labor Day Classic. Darren, as far as practice went today, um in addition to the ear splitting noise that they cranked out to get ready for what they expect to be an inhospitable venue on Sunday. Um, how did things look? What uh, what what were your eyes seeing as the Bombers get ready for uh, the big rivalry game on the weekend?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, watching Celestin Haba practice for the first time since hitting the six-game injured list, um, you know, watching Janarian and Grant running sprints in the end zone, not participating in practice, but – uh, so many fans, like every time I'm on the air on Bonfire Sports, like people are like, where's Janarian? Give us an update. Yeah. What's going on with him? While well, he is here, he is running. That's all positive, but doesn't look like he's ready to practice yet. Shane Gauthier hasn't been practicing, um, either injured a couple weeks ago. But here's the thing, Hustler. All things considered, the Bombers have won five straight games. In my opinion, they are number one in the CFL power ranking. still looking towards that one meeting of the season for a Grey Cup rematch with the Toronto Argonauts. Don't get me started on that uh, with, with the schedule, but with where Winnipeg is, the health overall that they have on offense and on defense, uh, and just with the type of football they've been playing, maybe not full 60 minutes, but playing complimentary football and showing a lot of resilience, uh, things are good for the Blue Bombers. What I wonder is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who had a real dip in their season, losing Trevor Harris at quarterback, losing their backup, Mason Fine, uh, and then wondering what was going to happen going to their third stringer, Jake uh, Domagala, and he has looked really good. Huge win for Saskatchewan in their most recent game. They're coming off the bye with those good feelings of of a big win uh, and looking like a team that deserves to be in third place in the West Division. This game on Sunday in Regina is going to be a real, physical, intriguing matchup. Because Saskatchewan is rested and motivated. Winnipeg is healthy. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, atop the
2: heap in the CFL, it's going to be a real clash. You're around this team all the time. I mean, I, I listen. they haven't been perfect this year. I mean, we saw the what happened in the second half against Ottawa. And, uh, you know, they had a horrible start against the Edmonton Elks in a game they had to come back from 22 nothing to win and obviously there's the BC game earlier on. I I don't have any fear of the Bombers being ready to go from the kickoff for this one. I mean, it just seems that even while they're having all this success to a man top to bottom of the organization, to be honest, they love to beat Saskatchewan and uh, no one does it better than Zach Caleros, who I imagine Darren in particular would be looking to have a big game because as much as the Bombers blew up Montreal by 30 points, Zach uncharacteristically had to go the other way, and that's not something that they'll want to have happen at uh, at the field in that Regina on Sunday.
4: No, no doubt. There, there's a whole bunch of
2: former Saskatchewan Rough Riders
4: who are now members of this Blue Bombers team and offensive lineman Pat Newfeld, And, you know, one of your favorites, Hustler, favorites of so many, Nick Dembski, drafted by the Rough Riders out of the University of Manitoba. And, yeah, Zach Kolaris. You know, uh, we had a fun chat with Kolaris Today and uh, you know we're, we're going to play that on uh, Bonfire Midweek later tonight. Uh, but you know, talking about some of the the mistakes he made, uh, talking about how you know people in Saskatchewan probably hate him. You know, even though he was a rough rider, but you know how, how things uh, shook out there, and now playing for the rival Blue Bombers. Um, But yeah, no doubt they're going to be ready and they're they're going to be up. They have had some slow starts this year, being tied 6-6 with the Edmonton Elks a month ago here at IG Field at halftime, being tied 6-6 coincidentally last week uh, in Calgary, um, you know, uh, against the Stampeders. uh, and, And just with the way Zach Kolaris has started games this year, he talked a lot about that, you know, making stupid mistakes. When you're watching the game and you see him you know, throw a, a sidearm pass as he's going down to the ground and gets picked off for a pick six or he makes an errant throw, um, he's as pissed off as the fans are. He's as mad at the mistake as the fans are. So, you know, he, he knows, like, he literally, his actual words today were, you know, I get pissed off when I do something stupid. I'm paraphrasing. But use those words. And uh, to have a quarterback that's accountable like that, to have a quarterback that – that can happen to, and the resilience and being able to flush it and move on uh, seems almost second nature to him. Uh, you know, add in the smarts and the arm and the experience and the MOP, uh, you know, back-to-back reigning MOP in this league and on all the trophies and awards and great cup championships. You add that resilience to it all and, uh, you know, a perspective of getting pissed off at yourself when things don't go well But then being able to go out there and not let it affect you, that is such an intangible, I think more people need to talk about when it comes to Zach Tolaris. He has been uh, just a guy, no doubt, everybody looks up to on this Blue Bombers team because everybody makes mistakes, everybody fumbles, everybody misses a tackle, everybody throws a pick. Uh, But when he does it, he's showing true leadership in that, you know, no worries, guys, let's go out there and win the next play, win the next quarter, win the game.
2: You know, it does set up just, I mean, a fascinating month of September, Darren. And, and we can't look past these two games against the Riders. I mean, frankly, they two of the best games of the season that people on both sides look forward to all summer long. Um, but, I mean, the Bombers have the opportunity. I still can't believe that they can clinch a playoff spot this weekend. Just, that sounds impossible. But when you think about what is to come later on, with that game from the Toronto Argonauts uh, and Andrew Harris coming in. And then of course the road game at BC afterwards, just a huge month for the blue bombers. That being said, the nature of the labor day rivalry, the banjo bowl rematch, um, this bomber team, I think I fully expect them to be ready to go and at their best. And even a Saskatchewan team with a little bit of momentum and a little bit of extra rest, They're going to need to elevate their game significantly, I think, if they want to hang with the beasts of the Western Division for the last five years.
4: I'll start by saying 100% absolutely agree with you. However, this is the crazy football league. The CFL is nuts, and we have seen in this first half of the season, truly anything can happen. The Bombers got blown out at home this year. It's crazy. You know, the Calgary Stampeders are struggling, but then they find ways, you know, they found a way to beat the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, you you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in a, in a close game or even a wide game uh, with a comeback late. So when you look at the rivalry that is Labor Day, uh, you look at the history between these two teams, uh, not liking each other, all of those, you know, uh, things that, that factor into rivalries. Um, and with where Saskatchewan is right now, with kind of nothing to lose, with their third-string quarterback and and finding ways to win, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Saskatchewan was able to capture a win at home, or maybe a win here at IG Field in the Banjo Bowl, but I agree with you. I am giving Winnipeg the beyond benefit of a doubt. They are the best team in the Canadian Football League, in my opinion, and in the eyes of many, and uh, to to circle back to what you were mentioning about those huge games against Toronto and then a road game in BC in October, uh, those games are bookended by bye weeks. So the Blue Bombers, another good you know feather in the hat that they have, is a great schedule this season. They have one bye week already, two to come, one before the two most important games of the regular season, one right after that, and then a couple weeks to to get primed up and and ready. And I'm sure uh, the Coaching staff hoping first place is locked up, uh, and they can rest some guys, and then getting ready to uh, you know go into the postseason and try to capture
2: twelfth uh, Grey Cup in franchise history. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports is with us. Um, I, we haven't spoken this week. I've got to ask you, what the hell happened to BC last week? Like, yes, I'm a little a little more sour about that because it nuked our lock shop partner parlay. It prevented me from going 4-0 and against the spread last week. But, I mean, it really was stunning. I mean, Hamilton coming off losing at home to the 0-9 Elks goes in and, and I mean, thoroughly, thoroughly beat up the BC Lions, who were double-digit favorites. And, frankly, I thought they could have been 20-point favorites in that game, considering where, the, where I perceived those teams to be going into last weekend.
4: Yeah, I didn't do too well in my prop bets in that game either because the, 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 the wrong team had the lead, so the, the run game didn't shake out how I thought. Uh, yeah. Put your money on, on James, James Butler. That guy, you know, it just seems no matter what, he, he's putting up big numbers. If you had to ask me one reason why Hamilton was able to be so dangerous suddenly and go into B.C., go across the country, and beat B.C. lines at home, it's Scott Milanovich. You know, they decided to move on from Tommy Condell as their offensive coordinator. He has, um, you know, no longer with the team, I don't believe. Uh, Scott Milanovic was the head coach of the Edmonton. It was Eskimos at the time. Left for the NFL. Prior to that, wins a great cup as head coach of the Toronto Argonauts. He's now the offensive coordinator with the TICAT. And they got a lot of weaponry. Tim Wright Jr. and uh, James Butler, as I mentioned. Uh, lots of pieces around there. And then they have their third string quarterback in Taylor Powell, who... I think outside of a lot of the pressure he has taken and the blitz uh, pressure that he has taken has been pretty uh, comfortable, has looked confident and and has been efficient with the football overall. So I see Scott Milanovic as just kind of a a new cook in the kitchen, looking at those same ingredients and being able uh, to to whip up a masterpiece. Um, I would look out for the Ticats. I think they will have a better second half than they did the first half of the season. As far as BC, I mean, they're similar to Winnipeg in a lot of ways where once in a while, they just don't seem to, to fully be on board. The difference is I've seen Winnipeg get down early and mount comebacks, even with a backup quarterback uh, in Drew Brown, you know, cold off the bench. Um, BC, when they don't show up to play the game is pretty much over. We saw that here at IG Field when the Blue Bombers put the boots to them. So they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, look really good one week, don't look so good the next week. You know, makes you wonder, uh, you know, uh, why that is the case. But regardless, they are a dangerous team. They are the second best team in the West Division. They're the only team, I think, that has a shot at chasing down the Blue Bombers for the the right to host the West Final uh, in November.
2: Bomber, while I've That's got you here and, Remo's, really. and Remo is <laughs> and Remo's away. um hey, we're going into the biggest weekend of the season. Let's take a quick look. I was gonna do the cool bet lines later on, but I'd rather do them right now with you have them on and get your thoughts on these games. We just talked about BC. They are going to Montreal, a place where they have never historically done very well with that incredibly long travel. Four point favorites. Both of these teams coming off completely humiliating losses the last week. What do you make of this? Is this a get right game for BC or does this slide continue? Mm-hmm. And really they come back to BC going that first six, seven games of the season was a complete mirage. I think it's a get-right game
4: for both of these teams. Montreal was the darling of the Canadian Football League just, you know, uh, a matter of days ago, frankly, and then suddenly everyone's kind of cooled off on them. Um, you know, yeah, I think that travel will play a factor, but, you know, I think Rick Campbell is a very good coach, and with that Jekyll and Hyde that is the BC Lions, um, you know, that might be the case. But they are a well-coached team. I think they're going to go in there and, and, you know, play good football uh it's a toss-up right now you say montreal's a
2: four-point favorite or bc no montreal's four-point underdogs bc four-point favorites on the road um yeah and that was three and a half it's gone I, i mean i think i think a lot of people are looking at bc as a team that just you know whatever wasn't ready to play but if you look at their body of work over the course of this year They certainly look, I mean, Montreal has the wins, but they haven't really beaten anybody. I mean, they've beaten up on Hamilton and Ottawa um, and I believe Saskatchewan. So, I mean, they're going to be, this was a test that you would think that they would be really, I I mean, up for. And one thing I will say, I think Vernon Adams, um, you know, going back to Montreal, will look forward to having a a big game. We'll we'll finish with the Bombers-Riders. But the, the two big rivalry games on the weekend are coming up on Monday. Toronto, eight and a half point road favorites in the hammer. This one actually went to eight yesterday. It's back to eight and a half. Um, if I had more confidence in the Thai Cats more than just that win that I still can't wrap my head around last week, I think I would kind of feel pretty good about them being able to be in this game because... Often you see these rivalry games at Labor Day. You can throw the records out the window. But, man, Toronto has looked good. I mean, they uh, I mean they are right there with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now. It seems they're on a collision course. Can the Ticats build off last week and actually be in this football game in the fourth quarter?
4: That's a great question. Uh, the way I see Toronto is – you know they're a very opportunistic team. They score points on special teams. Javon Leak uh, has just been an absolute monster, returning kicks and punts to the house this season. Um, Chad Kelly, you know the numbers aren't as flashy as you know maybe some people expect them to be with you know the MOP uh, talk uh, and and you know uh, hype that is kind of surrounding him, which I don't really understand. Um, but with how different the tie cats looked to me and because it's not like oh they had one player have a big game it was a system change in scott milanovic like i was mentioning to you i think there's value in looking at the hamilton tiger cats as an underdog and, and being able to you know eat up some of those points um, but you're right these rivalry games you do kind of have to throw everything out the window if that win on the road last week in vancouver sparked some sort of hope some sort of belief in the tie cats And if Taylor Powell, their quarterback, is able to continue to grow and be efficient, uh, you know, uh, in this Scott Milanovic offense. And then with the way their tailback, James Butler, has been playing, um, it'll be interesting. The way I look at that game, though, is if Toronto can score on offense, then it will probably be a a game where Toronto is in control. But if Hamilton is able to stop Chad Kelly and, uh, you know, A.J. Olette and Andrew Harris and, uh, you know, a pretty potent passing attack, um, then I, I think... Uh, you know, Hamilton has got an opportunity to at least get close. So that eight and a half, that's a, that's a, that's a big chunk. I I would almost like Hamilton uh, with good points.
2: Yeah. I, I think I'm leaning that way as well. I'll figure it out for sure when we do the lock shop tomorrow, but then the final game, the red hot Edmonton Elks winners of two straight can actually jump Calgary in the standings with the win in Calgary stamps are five point favorites. Um, I mean, do you believe in the Elks? Have the Elks turned the corner? Can they go in and never mind the spread? I mean, Calgary has found a lot of ways to lose, much like Edmonton has this year. What do you expect to happen in the Battle of Alberta?
4: Uh, this one has me really torn because of the trajectory of the teams, right? Calgary, higher expectations to start the year have been trickling off since. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, starting in the basement. Not a lot of people... <laughs> Uh, confident in them. And then it's just the the losing streak continued. Uh, I know I would be a pretty pissed off Elks fan if I had that guaranteed win ticket and suddenly for Labor Day or, you know, the, the rematch next week in Edmonton that, uh, you know, I got to pay for my ticket. I'd be pretty bummed about that. Yeah. You got but, 23 uh, games, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Mid-season last year or whatever it was. Yeah. You got a handful of games and pretty good value. The never ending uh, season but- ticket. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it just a great story seeing a Canadian quarterback in Trey Ford, the guy who the head coach and GM said he hasn't been good enough, suddenly comes in and sparks life into a lifeless Elks carcass at the time. Um, you know, two wins. And, you know, if if they do a split or if they're able to sweep the Calgary Stampeders in these upcoming games, they'll be well ahead of them in the standings uh, and looking like a team that uh, is playoff bound. So uh, it's amazing to think that, Um, but, you know, winning solves everything. And with the Stampeders, because they've just kind of been pretty mediocre all year, I think there is a way for uh, a very smart defensive mind in Chris Jones to just throw enough wrenches and wrinkles uh, at Jake Mayer to make things difficult uh, for him. Um, you know, I, I like Edmonton almost, almost without the line, I, I would take, uh, you know, I, I would look at Edmonton as a, a money line win for sure.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, at Moneyline plus 167 on Edmonton. If you uh, have the stones to take them, uh, to take them there. Um, I'm going to put this out to the chat and then I'm going to put it to you. Or why not question of the day for not Autocorp overly at Waverly and McGillivray. I've been waiting for this to talk to you about it today. I haven't mentioned it, but Nathan Rourke who of course was officially cut at cut down day by the Jags and put on waivers is, has not been picked up. And I, listen, I thought that there was a chance, especially when the Patriots uh, cut Bailey Zappi and did not have a backup on their roster. I thought that was maybe telegraphing them, taking a chance on Nathan Rourke. Doesn't look like that's the case. He's on the practice roster but to the chat and to you for the, why not question of the day, Darren, do we see Nathan Rourke back in the Canadian football league and say the next two years, um, he's going to be on the practice roster right now for Jacksonville. And I think we know that, you know, it's going to be CJ Beathard because of what he does with his experience for Trevor Lawrence. And that's what that job is about. Um, What do you make of the future for Nathan Rourke right now, considering how great he played and the fact that he's going to be on the PR?
4: Yeah, I love the question. Great question of the day for not. Um, This year, absolutely not. There's no chance uh, that Nathan Rourke, even if released from the practice roster, there's no chance whatsoever he will be in the Canadian Football League this year. You can almost say the same thing for Chris Streveler, uh, who's, who's looking for another opportunity. Next year... I would say no for Nathan Rourke. He will not be in the Canadian Football League in 2024 either. Chris Streveler, meanwhile, I think is somebody that could come back to the Canadian Football League. Things change when you start pulling in those NFL paychecks. You qualify for the pension. Life changes, uh, perspective changes, goals change, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it's up to, uh, you know, every individual whether they want to keep playing football. Um, But to answer about Nathan
2: Rourke, no, he won't be in Canada
4: Uh, for the next two years.
2: Yeah, at the end of that two years, I think he'll probably reevaluate. And the one thing I will say that if he is into coming back to Canada, he will immediately be the highest paid player in the league and there will be a fat check waiting for him to come back, presumably to BC. But I think any team would jump at him and it'll be really interesting. You brought up Streveler. If Streveler Mm -hmm. comes back, how likely is it that he comes back to Winnipeg? in a similar role that he was at before. I'll be honest. I love Strev. We all do. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable athlete and football player. I'm still not convinced that he can be an everyday everyday starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League the way the game is right now. I mean, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if he comes back, is there an opportunity elsewhere in the league for him to be the guy? Or does he look at his relationships in Winnipeg, the opportunities that he will get in that offense, knowing the way he was used before, and try and be part of another championship squad? I'll give you my
4: opinion as succinctly as possible on Chris Strebler. Would he like to come back to Winnipeg? Absolutely, he would love that. But I also believe fully that there will be a team in the Canadian Football League that will throw enough money at him to be their number one. We are in a quarterback deficit, in this league, the starters of the future are Dustin Crum, Taylor Powell, Drew Brown of the Blue Bombers. These are the guys that are when free agents uh, are either going to be you know, paid handsomely to be retained or find a new home in the CFL. Jeremiah Masoli, um, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, um, th- there's, you know, question marks around uh, Jake Mayer uh, and, and the direction that they want to go. Uh, there are teams out there that will throw $400,000 uh, at a guy. And if it's Chris Treveller I think absolutely a team will say we will build an offense around his skill set. It's obviously he's going to have to throw the football, but they will, you know, uh, use his athleticism and, and give him an opportunity because I think, Having Chris Streveler as your number one quarterback puts you in a better opportunity to win on a week-to-week basis than if you got somebody that, um, you know, like uh, like a Taylor Cornelius that's just going to throw picks um, and, you know, not be able to do too much to to get the chains moving.
2: Uh, great stuff, bombing. Fill uh, people and Blue Bomber fans in on the bonfire schedule this week heading into the LDC. Yes,
4: Bonfire Midweek tonight, live at 7.30. Uh, As I mentioned, we'll hear from Zach Kolaris. I had a one-on-one conversation with Brady Oliveira as well. Chris Walby and I will get Game Day Winnipeg, our pregame show, going as we always do the day before the game. So look out for that on Saturday. And then our post-game, Game game Day After Dark, always after every Blue Bombers game uh, on Sunday evening, afternoon, evening, whenever it actually uh, shakes out after the Labor Day Classic. And I want to mention this, Hustler, if I can. Hockey season's right in the corner. NFL is ramping up. Keep an eye on Bonfire Sports. We've got uh, some, some fun things on the Jets
2: uh, and the National Football League as well. Right on, buddy. You have a good one, and uh, we will look forward to uh, checking out what you got cooking for CFL week and the Labor Day Classics. Have a good one, dude. Travel safe, everybody out there. Have fun in Regina if you're headed. Right on. There is Darren bombing of Bonfire Sports. You know where to get it over at the Bonfire um, Bonfire page. All right. Huge thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug, who, as I mentioned, right off the top of the show, got an email that we are down to basically 10 tickets. That was last night. I'm not sure how many more have been sold today, but if you do want to be a part of our third edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night, Wednesday, September thirteenth, we're going to need you to click that link. It's right there in the description of the uh, of the uh, YouTube video. And if you're listening on the podcast, get over to Little Brown or the uh, WinnipegSportsTalk Excuse me, and click on that link. Questions are being curated by the day right now, and we'll be ready for a really fun night. Fingers crossed, we'll be able to be outside at the beautiful Little Brown Jug patio like we did on the first night but we will look forward to seeing as many of you as possible down on the 13th at little Brown jug. And Hey, with the long weekend here, good time to stock up on little Brown jug just in time for the labor day classic. And Hey, if you are making the trip to Regina, get your tailgate ready with the good stuff from Winnipeg and Manitoba, as opposed to drinking that pill, you'll be surrounded by and get on down to little Brown jug for that. Of course, you can also pop on the, uh, Uh, little brown jug website for citywide delivery if you want to get that done beforehand they're over at littlebrownjug.ca uh huge thanks to our friends at akins lake wilderness lodge if you're looking for an amazing fly in fishing experience here in the city of winnipeg where you can be on the water in less than two hours from winnipeg akins is the spot Saw big Doug Brown, speaking of the uh, Bomber broadcast, pull a 28-inch master angler walleye out of Aikens earlier this week. Shout out to Doug. Uh, Booking well into 2024 right now. Incredible corporate outings and excursions, and of course, friends, family trips. There's nothing like the Aikens experience. Find out more online at akenslake.ca. Not a lot of golf to talk about right now other than Making the most of the rest of this season. We'll look forward to the Ryder Cup in Italy at the end of the month. PGA Tour taking a little bit of time off after the Tour Championship is a European Tour event. I believe this is the last event before we find out who Team Europe will be for the Ryder Cup. We'll be all over that here on WST. And in the meantime, if you're thinking about a great long term home for you and your family in Winnipeg at one of the city's top private courses, check out Breezy Bend. Waiting list is growing for 2024. Get on it now. Talk to our pal, Corey Johnson at Breezy Bend and find out more on the course at breezybend.ca. A shout out to the Winnipeg Gold Eyes who are finishing up their season right now. As uh, you know, it hasn't been a great year for the Gold Eyes on the field, but man, it's been a good one in the stands. Great crowds growing throughout the season and uh, you know what as the team finishes up the year still putting some runs on the board and getting a few more wins they won in Sioux Falls yesterday 11 to 9 they'll be back at it tonight with a 635 start in Sioux Falls as they finish up this series and then head to Fargo any any fish fans if you want to make maybe head down for the weekend check out the uh, the fish in Fargo do a little shopping and whatnot. And of course, uh, big thanks to Andrew Collier for their support all year long for our friends at the gold eyes. All right. We will get to the uh, horse picks in just a second, because we do have beautiful nights setting up for live racing over at Assiniboia downs. As I mentioned, though, cool bet lines right now today, NFL talk on the lock shop, NFL futures, quarterbacks, Receiving props, check that out. Search Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite pods and jump on that. Also available on Twitter. Uh, you can check out my feed for that. CFL this week. BC four-point favorites in Montreal. Bombers seven and a half in Saskatchewan. Argos eight and a half on the road in Hamilton. And the Calgary Stampeders five-point home favorites to the Edmonton Elks. Uh, we got an afternoon... Blue Jays game that is just underway, actually. So uh, if you want to do some live betting, they're minus 625 because they're up 2-0 right now in the fourth inning. A little later on, there will be some scoreboard watching. And the Jays are going to be cheering for the Red Sox to uh, get one up on the uh, Houston Astros. Mariners keep rolling. They're taking on the Oakland A's. Little later on, Yankees, the pathetic New York Yankees in Detroit. Yankees minus two hundred favorites, and maybe the Miami Marlins can help the Jays out and get one on the Tampa Bay Rays, who hold down that first wild card spot. Jays three and a half back heading into this game today to finish up this series with the uh, with the Nationals. And uh, as I said, we kind of went over it on the lock shop, but right now. If you are an NFL fan and want a favorite team to be uh, in the playoffs or out of the playoffs, there are so much, so many options when it comes to NFL futures right now. Uh, Obviously, the week one games are up there, but they've got conference bets, divisions, um, scoring, the uh, regular season lowest scoring team, team to concede the fewest points, all of those things, league leaders, awards, and then passing, rushing, receiving props, and win totals for the entire league if you want to get in on it and you haven't played a cool bet before use the promo code wst when you make your first deposit for a 100 bonus on that first deposit up to 200 bucks uh and i can tell you speaking of uh i mentioned this when we were talking to alex earlier but canada a huge favorite against brazil 18 and a half point favorites to continue their great run so far and Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic playing against each other. And Dominican Republic, a nine-point favorite in that one as well. It's all over at CoolBet, folks. All right, just before we go, a little solo shot of the picks for tonight's races. I am going to start in race number one. And we're taking horse number five to win the Gray Admiral. Six-horse race to get things going. Uh, skipping a few and then going to race number four. Going to make a little win bet on number two. Anna Kozana opened at three to one. So we've got a couple win bets, and then we'll see if we can squeeze a triactor out of the uh, the live racing. Going to go with sort of the favorites, the, the, the program selections, in race number five. Number one, Tipsy at the Bar. Number Two, next thing you know, and number six, diva esque. Try and get that one in there. I did think about Miami souvenirs. That's been a good one before. But uh, finishing off with race number seven, and we're going with a one seven eight triactor box, Takati Gold, Margot's Girl, and Dick Dazzling Gold. Both gold horses and Margot's Girl. Uh, of course, it's a beautiful night to get out to the track. Seven thirty post time. Free parking, free admission. Uh, does, Winnipeg loves free. Great time out there. And If you are staying at home, you can always bet on the HPIBet.com site and watch the races. And Kirk and Stretch giving their picks at 645 over at the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel. Um, fun show today. Coming up tomorrow, I'm really looking forward to this. And he, we mainly hear him talk hockey. But he is a huge Bomber fan. and I'm looking forward to his take on the back-to-back with Saskatchewan and, of course, the upcoming Jets season. Drew Mandel of Illegal Curve. We will also have Marada Tesh join us. And uh, see a Billick or a Wiki's going to pop in. And Rennie, yes, Rennie, has been located. He's been AWOL a little bit this summer. Rennie's going to be joining us on Friday as well as we get ready for a big, big weekend. Uh, fun show today. Thanks to Joey Slats for jumping on the program at the start. Thanks to Alex Adams, Ken Weeb, Darren bombing. And of course our guy, Jay Remo, who's taking care of business this week. Well, Michael, Michael Remus enjoys a very much deserved week off from WST heading into the labor day weekend. That's going to do it for us today, folks hit that like button on the way out. Thumbs up. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And, uh, Tell a friend about WST and how they can join us live at 1 p.m. or on their favorite podcast feed. Have a great night. I will see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. on Winnipeg Sports Talk.
3: Oh, my God. Oh, Oh!
1: shut it down. Let's go home.
2: Thanks for tuning
1: in
4: to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.